0: Welcome back everyone to the second part of SNX Weave's panel-style podcast for Spartan Council candidates. Once again, in collaboration with you, the community, we asked our panel members a total of 10 questions that produced thoughtful responses and enthusiastic discussions. Keep listening to hear your Spartan Council candidates introduce themselves, speak to their candidacy, and answer hard-hitting questions about representing synthetics. In this episode, We'll hear from current council members Daniel, Jackson, Kane, and Michael. Since the recording of the panel interview, Jackson announced that he will not be running this epic in order to focus on the synthetics Futures development and V2X roadmap. He is still included in the panel, however, as his portion of the discussion remains necessary to the other panel members' comments. So let's hear what they had to say. So let's go ahead and get started. So the first question, what unique experiences or views do you bring to the Spartan Council? And once again, for this first question, please start out with a brief introduction of yourself. Daniel, you'll be answering first.
1: All right, thanks. Um, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't say I, I bring uh, a, a unique uh, attribute to, to the council, maybe I bring a combination of unique uh, yeah, qualities. Uh, I, I come from community, I've been with synthetics since uh, heaven days, so since like 2018 I think it was, bought it on KuCoin, stuck around, was very active in in course, uh, yeah, since since, since since I joined, since I first bought heaven, <coughs> and uh, yeah, I've uh, I've got some popularity with making some Discord bots in in, in Discord. Uh, somehow it got me elected into the first epoch, and somehow I'm still here. I'm just always doing my best, always trying to do the extra mile for synthetics to, to give a bit extra. Uh, I'm using the my, yeah my, my know-how, which is more I guess technical software development than financial to yeah, just help by making some tools, some sites, some bots. Uh, right now I've had the, the good luck, good fortune to be chosen by SDAO to take on the Binary Options module with Daily's. And it's it seems to be going very well. We, we released the token, so there's always alignment, even though I don't you know, need it per se, to always do my best for synthetics. And being in the council kind of allows me to yeah, just make sure uh, both synthetics and the projects spinning spin out, out of synthetics are, yeah, always aligned.
0: That's awesome, Daniel. Thank you. It's great having your knowledge since you've been on the council from the start. Okay, Kane, floor is yours. What unique views or experiences do you bring to the Spartan council? And again, if you could please just start with a brief introduction.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, I i um, the founder of havens and then obviously uh, pivoting into synthetics um started the project uh back in like late 2016 um through 2017 uh i was part of the initial foundation back in the like centralized days um and have been uh pushing for this kind of movement towards decentralized governance uh Basically, since the beginning, um, so I think you know the unique perspective that I bring is uh, a lot of history of um, why things are the way they are, um, for good or ill, um, as well as you know that kind of uh, that drive towards decentralization and handing over power. Um, so yeah, I guess as the former semi-benevolent dictator, that's my um, that's my role to play, and I'm hoping to kind of stick around on the council. Uh for the near future, until we can get um, the governance process into a position where you know everyone feels like it's self-sustaining and doesn't necessarily require my daily input.
0: Hey, thank you very much, Kane. I'm sure the community appreciates your vision for a decentralized governance structure within synthetics, and also of course,
3: your history with synthetics.
0: Michael, floor is yours. Same question, please.
3: Hey, um, so I'm Michael, uh, one of the co-founders of Framework Ventures. We uh, invested in SNX token uh, in uh, September of 2019. So have been around the project since a little bit before then. Um, we've been actively staking since then. Uh, and we have been helping to put forward uh, governance proposals. We've helped um, build some tooling. Um, and just generally participating in the, in the uh, community. Um, and we will soon be you know, active traders as well um, when, uh, when layer two gets to full resolution. Um, and so we kind of come at most problems from a bunch of different angles, uh, being both active stakers and, and eventually traders, but also stewards and participants Um, and, uh, have seen the the protocol, not as long as Kane has, but, uh, definitely have seen some iterations. Um, and so have some, some historical, um, understanding as well.
0: Thank you, Michael. And thanks for sharing the diversity and experience you bring to the Spartan Council. Thank you everybody for those thoughtful responses for this next part. We're going to open the floor for everybody to discuss the diversity of skill sets and experiences that make up the strongest Spartan Council.
2: Um, so I think historically, what we've seen in the various epochs is that there are um, several different categories um, of uh, of responsibilities that the Spartan council has. Um, I think a uh, focus on risk and uh, overall um, you know sort of protocol parameters is uh, is very valuable. Um, I think we've seen it's quite valuable to have people. Uh, with a fairly deep technical expertise, um, you know, at the smart contract level. Um, I think we've also seen that uh, the community side and um, communication with community and, you know, coordinating with the community um, is pretty critical. Uh, and then I think we've seen sort of generally this governance process and evolution of how, um, you know, governance has been uh, has been, um structured in synthetics has been very valuable. And I think each of the different, uh, you know, obviously I've only been on the council for one epoch, but watching the various uh, council members over the last, um, you know, uh, several epochs, I've seen that, you know, having those capabilities or, or, you know, some of those qualities has been um, very valuable. Maybe there's some additional ones outside of those, but I think that that tends to be primarily where the value has been derived from.
0: Daniel,
1: go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, just just confirming. I think he phrased it perfectly. Uh, we've had that diversity uh, ever since the the first epoch. We had guys such as Caleb, you know, always on the edge, all, 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 always being very uh, risk averse. Uh, and then we had you know people who are just pragmatical. So you also have to think about the the product per se. Like you can't just block block everything when you, you know smell some danger. So the diversity of people being risk-averse, uh, being experts in you know, technology and smart contracts, and then people such as Kane who are just spearheading the, the governance in the whole DeFi. So I think it's, it's been very well ba- balanced so far. And of course, you know, having OGs and people who are kind of known in the space and, and have connections, that can always help. I fully agree with <clears throat> All that's been said before, I think the only thing that I'd add is,
3: um, you know, as the uh, product surface area of synthetics writ large, and and I, I use that also with the context of, you know, some of the other projects that are building on top of synthetics, like Lyra, Thales, uh, Aelin, you know, as we start to think about what, um, you know, the, the actual kind of stakeholder relationship is, um, we should think about having voices on the council that represent those perspectives as well, because historically, It's really been the community and stakers and core contributors as kind of the three main constituents. Um, But I think over the next six to 12 to 18 months, we're going to probably see that shift.
0: Thank you all. Really, really great points. This brings us to question two. In your own words, please explain what you believe to be your responsibility and obligation as an elected council member of the community. Michael, first response will go to you for this question.
3: Yeah, so I think Kane touched on this. You know, a lot of the responsibility has been uh, st- stewarding uh, the network uh, as it goes through the different uh, evolutions and and uh, upgrades. Um, being a representative for parameter voting, uh, being a representative for discussing the different upgrade paths, um, and uh, yeah, providing perspective when helpful, given all of our different backgrounds.
0: Absolutely. The representative structure allows voters to be heard and participate indirectly in the decision-making direction of synthetics as a whole uh, daniel how do you view your role as an elected council member
1: um, thank you um, so I, I think you know there, there's the obvious uh the uh, an elected council member needs to do the best you know to his knowledge to to make sure uh, he he votes in the best interest of the protocol on the submitted SCPs and, and SAPs. So understanding them to you know the level that's within his capabilities. Um, but you know I always try to to do a bit extra, and, and I believe everyone should. You no, know, it's it's not a you know a job per se. There is no fixed hours, but it, I believe council members need to be active, need to be present. Um they need to be engaged in conversations both in private channels, in meetings, but also you know keep an ear out to the community, you know see what's frustrating, see where's lacking communication, you know bridge that gap, and also just pick up when, when you know we as we as the council members uh, feel there is not such clarity on on the roadmap on where we're headed. So, or anything, you know, an, an individual brings to the table, as I said, I bring a bit of, of software, back, software development uh, background uh, more than the finance part per se. So, yeah, I try to, to help in that manner any way I can or where I see that something can be helpful.
0: Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, it's pretty clear speaking with this group that a broad range of expertise is required to develop the most effective Spartan Council. Kane, how do you view your role and your responsibility as an elected council member for the community?
2: I think I take a very literal uh, approach to this question, and and my answer is basically that as a Spartan council member, your role is uh, exclusively to exercise the will of the token holders who have appointed you to the council, um, and so I think. One of the things that is really critical about that is making sure that your uh, your token holders and, and the constituents that have voted you in um, kind of have a pathway to provide feedback and that you're engaged with the community. Um, you're kind of you know getting a temperature check of how people are reacting to things and, and what the sentiment is um, and taking feedback. Uh, because we do have a, an interesting form of, you know, uh, sort of delegated democracy where um, you don't necessarily know uh, who is voting for you, but you can kind of get a sense of the the overall sentiment. So I think, um, you know, it's you're kind of have a responsibility to um, adhere to the principles that you've stated, um, but, you know, also to uh, to keep an ear to the ground and make sure uh, that you know, if the sentiment in the community is shifting or, or you know perspectives are changing, um, that you're aware of that and responsive to it.
0: Perfect, Thank you, Kane, and thank you to the group. Just a quick follow up. What are some of the areas you believe that responsibility is most visible in the community, and maybe others where you see there could be some possible improvements?
1: so so one thing that definitely has been I mean, there are some improvements, but the, the, th- the thing I want to point out is just the way council members interact. It's still kind of private. The meetings are still, okay, they are recorded, they are being edited and pre- shared with the, the community. Uh, the, the channel where we mostly chat is private. And I understand there's perhaps some still, I wouldn't say need, but maybe some higher comfort until we get the hang of it. But yeah, that's something I, I believe we can just have the community more engaged yeah, we're, we're in those conversations that are not strictly SAP or SCP, you know, related during presentation, but just general conversations.
2: I agree with that. I think uh, we have tried to kind of push things forward um, into this, you know, very open and transparent um, uh, mechanism. Um, and... I think the more we can surface, the better. Um, but I do also believe that one of the reasons, when you go back and you know we look at why we chose this form of governance, why we wanted a council um, that you know could act on behalf of token holders and represent their interests, um, was that we wanted people who had you know potentially some specialized uh, skills or knowledge or experience um, that would be able to bring um, those you know, skills and and knowledge to bear. Um, And, you know, as much as we're building out in the open, and this is open source software, I do think that there are times where the best interest of the token holders may not be having every single uh, piece of information being surfaced. Um, And I, I think provided the framework that the decisions are being made under is legitimate, I think that that's okay. I think if token holders accept that there are some conversations that they want to be private conversations, um, you know, between the maybe the core contributors and the Spartan Council, um, then that is for the token holders to, to decide. And I think the status quo at the moment is that. Token holders feel comfortable. Um, when they feel uncomfortable, they usually will, you know, raise their voices and say, "Why are we not hearing more information about this?" and they'll they'll request information. Um, but I do think that in principle, you can have um, an environment where you have had uh, token holders delegate their their power to uh, to you know, a specialized group of people, um, and as long as those people must make decisions out in the open. Um, and as long as those decisions are, are transparent, and I think that we've achieved that with the governance mechanism that we have, um, then I think it's okay. I think if they're making decisions in in the background and there's collusion or, or things like that, I think it becomes problematic. But the fact that we have a very transparent process for voting on things, for um, you know, discussing SIPs, et cetera, I, I think broadly we're okay. Um, but I do, I do agree with Daniel that I think we should always be trying to put pressure on ourselves to be as transparent as we possibly can, um, unless absolutely
1: necessary. If I may respond to that, um, I, yeah, I also agree that the community would raise the, their voices should they really you know, feel this is not what they signed up for. But one thing that, they, they, that I think is kind of a side effect of this is that it makes it harder for someone new to join the council. Like if the processes, if the conversations, if the meetings are not like fully transparent, there might be some, some historical information, some reasoning that a potential new council member was not privy to. So I, I just think it would make onboarding easier if yeah, there was no such private conversation, per se.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a, very, that's a very powerful point. Um, and I think we have seen over the last year, or whatever, um, that it's been a, a fairly small group of people um, that have been elected to the council, um, and there is a lot of uh, incumbency bias as well. Um, so I, I, I take that. I take that point. I think that's a fair, uh, fair counterpoint, and that you know, again, we should be trying to push these things out in the open as much as possible.
4: Yeah, I, I think that, um, that kind of observation where more uh, more incumbent Uh, and traditionally the path to really join the council has been to be uh, you know public guardians and also active community members who's been either a has a has a tokens has a stake in synthetics or has some kind of interest in synthetics doing uh, doing well so I think um, we we've found that you know if if the council is more engaged in obviously the, the governance um, the public governance channels and, uh, engaging with people, uh, discussions and also, um, opening up more of the discussion in the public uh, channels. I think that would, uh, you know, we, we would be getting more community engagement and potential, uh, pathway for, uh, obviously new council members, um, to join and step up. So, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, uh, that's something we've noticed, um, uh, that it's been
3: harder to get into the council for new people. Yeah, one suggestion is maybe just leveraging the council chambers conversation channel, um, you know, more so than we have in the past, um, but also making it clear sort of the decision making and processes or, or just finding more ways to record conversations that we're having.
0: Thank you, everyone. Really, really great dialogue there. You all brought up some very interesting points. Moving on to question three, what do you wanna see achieved by the council in the short to midterm, as well as the long-term, for the synthetics protocol, And what will your contribution be? Jackson, question three will go to you first.
4: Thank you. Um, So in in the kind of medium term, what I would like to see the council do is um, be suggesting more uh, how governance could improve. So working on the kind of uh, decentralized governance uh, framework. So I think that's been uh, a lot of that has been spearheaded. Uh, by Cane, um, but I would like to see the council uh, get behind that as well and look at improvements, uh, how that could be improved. And, you know, in, in governance, I mean, like, obviously, uh, we've, we've seen at the start ha- uh, going to a decentralised uh, council meant that uh, decisions did slow down a bit. Um, and how does the project, like, I guess, project management also slowed down a bit because of kind of like, uh, you have decentralized desi- decision making. So I would like to see um, you know, the council get more involved in uh, the project management and uh, like roadmap, how uh, looking at how synthetics can uh, you know, build core products and be competitive in the DeFi space um, in the medium term. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's kind of what I see as important.
0: Thank you for your thoughts on this, Jackson. Daniel, floor is yours. Question three to you.
1: <clears throat> yeah, thank you. So, actually I'm, I'm very glad uh, Jackson's answer, answer was as it was. Uh, I, I kind of have a similar uh, point of view and I didn't want to, it to be taken as a kind of a criticism towards anyone. I feel there's still uh, room for uh, the council and, and core contributors to kind of align, to have more transparency into, specifically into, you know, from the council towards the conversations that happen between core contributors, um, the, the overall uh, roadmap. I think we, we're making progress, but I wouldn't be comfortable saying that it's the council that's kind of driving the, uh, the, the product, the project management. Maybe that's not what the council should be doing. But it should at least have a clear vision and, yeah, not be per se on the receiving end. So being more active and maybe having even a, a better connection and transparency with the core contributors.
0: Thank you, Daniel. Your point on transparency is well taken. It's definitely a goal to continue striving for. Kane, please share your thoughts on what you hope to achieve in the short, medium, and long term for the synthetics Protocol.
2: Um, I think in the medium term, my goal is uh, to help. Um, I've, I've got a couple, but I help primarily to ensure that the core contributor uh, structure is in place to allow us to wrap up the V2X scope um, and to transition to V3 as smoothly as possible. Um, and I think that we're getting there. Um, and then I think the secondary one. Um, which is more, you know, medium term to long term, uh, is ensuring that we have the right governance structures to last for the next, you know, two three years. I think there's been a lot of iteration um, in governance and a lot of experimentation in our governance processes, um, and I think we've got a lot of information and, and um, uh, feedback uh, from those processes that we've um, implemented over the last year, uh, and I think we're in a really good position to put something in place uh in v3 governance that will you know be um uh, will require less uh kind of continual change i think we can put something in place that's a little bit more stable um that people can be you know confident will kind of continue on in the longer term the next two three four five years um and i think that uh the process of both Building that, deploying it, and then making it open source and available to the community um, is a, a pretty huge uh, part of the role that I'm hoping to play over the next, you know, six
0: to twelve months. Thank you, Kane. Maintaining that longer-term view is pivotal for keeping the focus on the strategic objectives of Synthetics.
3: Michael, what are your thoughts on this? So I really like all the answers so far, and um, I I hope to be able to, as a Spartan Council member, help with the bridging of you know the the governance models becoming the norms and and having it be more of a steady process of either these elections and and groups um, leading the governance of synthetics. I think the things that I would add are in the short term um, to kind of Kane's point about V2X. Uh, helping to either provide assets or provide liquidity, continue staking, provide perspectives on getting to things like layer two, um, you know, active trading participation, um, continuing to stake, bridging, um, you know, assets from from layer one to layer two. Um, medium term, which I would consider to be three months plus, uh, is taking that and expanding it um, and scaling that to whichever direction um, is most helpful um, that framework can help provide. Thanks, Michael.
0: All excellent points. This brings us to question four. Do you believe the three-month epic is effective for all the DAOs and councils to be able to achieve long-term objectives? Does this allow for the continuity of vision and execution? And should the serving term be slightly increased? Kane, we'll hear your thoughts on this one first. Oof, that's a tough one. (laughs) yeah it's a doozy Uh,
2: I mean if you know the OGs will recall I was a proponent of uh, the chaotic liquid democracy uh, style governance where you know you might serve for 10 minutes or 10 hours and be booted off uh, unceremoniously Um, so I think that the compromise that we came up with was three months Um, I do think that three months in crypto is a very long time still um, and I think it does kind of strike a balance between um, ensuring that we have responsive council members and having continuity. I think if you push it much beyond three months and you have a council member that um, you know begins to perform poorly or whatever, the only real recourse that we have is uh, is kind of dilution of that council member or um, you know some kind of process to to basically um, you know, trigger a re-election of the entire council. Um, and so I think that. Uh, extending the uh, the duration um, of each council beyond three months to me feels a little bit dangerous um, right now. I think we're I think we've kind of got the sweet spot as it is. In fact, I would probably argue that even shorter um, versions, obviously voter fatigue, notwithstanding, but shorter durations could be more optimal.
0: Thank you, Kane, for sharing your views and especially the history of the three month epic. Jackson, let's hear your thoughts on this.
4: Um, yeah, no, I, I see where uh, Kane comes from. Really, um, you know, initially uh, it was a total uh, liquid, chaotic um, kind of uh, governance where um, anyone could be voted out at any time uh, based on the token holders' and kind of will. And uh, you know, in 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 that three months kind of at the moment, an epoch uh, really hits that sweet spot where um, community, uh, like the council members, get a good time to understand the system protocol and have their input. Um, And it feels like a longer, longer kind of period epochs would generally be not as effective. And if uh, there's really a mechanism already where they can uh, stand for re-election after that three months, um, if there's kind of like, uh, especially for some of the other DAOs, um, you know, the, the ambassador DAO and the grand DAO, We've seen members, they're, like, they're working on particular projects or they would like to see some uh, project that they're working on uh, come to fruition. So they would uh, then uh, stand for re-election. So there's mechanisms to handle that already where they can stand for re-election. And generally um, people who's been doing a good job, um, we've seen token holders re-elect them. So, uh, if we mandate a longer uh, epoch, uh, that might not be the
1: best.
0: Thank you, Jackson. Seems like you and Kane take the same position on the three-month epic. Daniel, what are your thoughts?
1: Thanks. Um, I actually love this, this question. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a bit of history, of history to that. I, I was very much opposed to the liquid de- democracy. I get the high-level picture, but I was saying since the start, you know, these are people, people need time, there are always learning curves. there's adaptations periods. So, um, I, I also thought, to be honest, that three months will be, you know, not enough. Um, that it doesn't seem to be a, a problem. So, from, from the empirical point of view, uh, it seems to have worked well. That said, a lot of council members have been around through more epochs. So it's hard to kind of take a good sample. There have been some that have been only in a single uh, epoch or so. So to, to cut the, the long story short, so I think free epochs works very well. I would be very much opposed to making it shorter. I think it just creates fatigue in both voters, both candidates. There's a whole process behind it. I feel that quarterly is, is optimal right now. So it seems to be working quite well.
0: Thank you, Daniel. If I'm understanding your point correctly, it's important to keep voter fatigue at a minimum to maintain the levels of engagement from the voters and the SNX community at large. Michael, please go ahead with your response to this question.
3: Yeah, I agree that it does not need to be changed right now. I was also not supportive of having it be less than three months given the, the back and forth of voting. I think we see this in voter turnout um, and and maybe there's things we can do to increase voter turnout. But I think continuity is important um, and understanding people's perspectives uh, is important uh, and that only builds with continuity. So for now, I think this is good um, and would need to see some more evidence to change it upwards or downwards. Thank you, everybody.
0: That brings us to the halfway point of our panel interview. Moving on to question number five, where do you see the synthetics protocol fitting into the DeFi space going forward? Michael, I'll be calling on you first to answer this question.
3: So I think there's a few different ways that I see synthetics working um, into the rest of the DeFi space. The, the first and foremost is synthetic asset creation. Uh, SUSD, I think, is, is one of the purest uh, decentralized stable coins out there yet. Um, It's not as widely adopted as I would like to see. Um, And some of the other assets I think are also very useful uh, in terms of having permissionless uh, representation like SBTC on Ethereum. Um, So that's one aspect. The other aspect is uh, permissionless trading, being able to have a trading mechanism um, that doesn't limit uh, for whatever reason, I think is a very, very valuable opportunity. Um, And I think the third is really, product innovation in terms of how trade execution happens. You know, we call it infinite slippage now, you know, based on some of the conversations and some of the SIPs, I think that might be changing, but having best execution might be the best way to think about it going forward. And and that's the part that I get really excited about over the long run. Uh, I know it's going to be a while, but best execution for trading is is a pretty even more powerful concept.
0: Thank you, Michael, for your perspective and the important points you brought up. Daniel, if you would, please share your thoughts on this topic.
1: Thanks. Uh, I think Michael had a, a perfect answer, um, and to, to maybe touch more, you know, in, in more detail on the SUSD being more widespread. Uh, with, with the the projects that have spun out out of synthetics or are within the ecosystem are using SUSD. Um, However, there are uh, issues with liquidity, with bridging to L2, so that's definitely something we need to work on to improve. Uh, wrappers seem to be uh, a very good way to, to get more supply while also kind of you know helping with the, the debt skew. Um, S2SD has been and, and will be the only collateral on TALIS, even though the community is demanding or, or asking for collateral that are more available. Uh, I feel SUSD is the only, you know, real decentralized uh, stablecoin in in the space and and should get a a much wider adaptation. And uh, yeah, apart from that also what Michael said about making the trading experience smoother, uh, something I I might not be fully um, seeing eye to eye with with what the current direction is, is uh, the, the, you know, cutting the offer short in terms of available since. I always have seen synthetics like I mean that's what it was to me like you can sy- synthesise ev- everything so the way I saw synthetics was you know a, a, an ability to in one place buy all the the things you you could like Wall Street or yeah so that's something I guess uh, regulatory wise having a bit of issues there but yeah I I'd be keen or or even what was uh, Mentioned by community that you can make your own indexes and yeah, something like that.
0: Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, you bring up a good point. The regulatory trends will be important to monitor as things evolve. Continuing with question five, Jackson, what are your thoughts on this?
4: I think in the future where uh, synthetics really in DeFi is, uh, you know, the, the more use cases obviously for um, SUSD um, as a stable coin. Um, It's, you know, one of the most, uh, it's probably the most decentralized pure asset at the moment, Um, you know, the the kind of adoption of uh, SUSD in more uh, use cases and protocols um, would kind of make synthetics be a settlement layer where, you know, uh, combined with uh, uh, better products and I think crucially the exchange um, improve. Uh, So in in the short, I think in the medium term, we're going to see the um, exchange uh, uh, in- instead of infinite liquidity, uh, we're going to move to uh, a, you know better market making kind of mechanisms which would um, make the uh, exchange more fair so but still having the best uh, price execution but more fair for the stakers and uh, which would you know g- in- include then then all the different uh, synthetic assets that we issue. Um, some synthetics like SBTC, SE, um, as they get used by more of the ecosystem, uh, we would uh, hope to see more uh, t- than trading volume come through, um, which would come naturally from this uh, uh, adoption of the different synthetic assets that, that is issued by synthetics. So um, that's where I see synthetics uh, you know, growing in the kind of like uh, short-term to medium term, like getting more uh, use with different protocols and, um, which then would lead down to a synthetics thing or a, a settlement layer or exchange layer.
0: Thank you, Jackson. And as the final responder for question five, Kane, the floor is yours.
2: I think this is the reason why there's so many different answers to this question, um, is, uh, Indicative of how long it's taken us to get our shit together and really be able to deliver a working product. Um, I know on some level, you know, we've got since integrated into you know, maybe hundreds of DeFi protocols at this point. Um, you know, SUSD is critical within Curve and Uniswap and a bunch of other places. And I think that's really valuable. Um, but I don't think that it is sort of capturing economic activity and, and delivering. Uh, a differentiated service in the way that we were really hoping to um, you know when we initially launched the project um, and we've continually been on the cusp of being able to deliver this thing and we've been blocked for various reasons um, but i think that we're now very close to being able to deliver uh, a, a synthetic uh, perpetual futures platform um, that will be able to compete with centralized offerings While maintaining all of the things that uh, people love about DeFi. So, you know, composability and censorship resistance and, um, you know, uh, non custodial uh, and all of those things. And I think that just hasn't been possible. Um, And so, while it's frustrating that it's taking this long to get here, um, we've delivered a whole bunch of amazing things along the way, you know, a very robust governance framework and, um, you know, a whole bunch of infrastructure improvements and, and various things. But I do think that. Um, we're now about to kind of reach an inflection point where synthetics will be the dominant uh, perpetual futures platform within layer two scaling, which you know, I think a lot of the uh, activity is going to happen on Optimism. Um, my views changed a little bit now, and that I think that there will probably be um, quite a bit of activity across both optimism and arbitrum, um, and maybe some other uh, you know, L2s that are that are going to emerge. Um, but I do think within that new layer 2 DeFi ecosystem, um, in, in terms of perpetual futures, Synthetics has a very good chance of dominating that space, um, and I think that that is primarily what people are going to know Synthetics for, you know, in six months or twelve
0: months time. Thank you, Kane, and thank you to the group for your responses to question five. Jackson, question six will go to you first. What do you believe Synthetics' multi-chain strategy should be?
4: So the multi-chain kind of strategy for Synthetics um, really is uh, having uh, having uh, the exchange and the uh, you know leverage trading in, in the future be on um, L2, um whether that um, whether that's um, Like at the moment, that's OVM, uh, but on other L2s and uh, having uh, enabling synth creation to happen on L2, which is a lot faster and cheaper. And then having that uh, being able to be uh, migrated like a bridge, migrated to L1s uh, easily, um, you know, for other L1s ecosystem, um, you know, for them to use. Um, And I think some other multi chain uh, kind of uh, things that we could consider um is um, obviously having bridges so um you know maybe more actively bridging synthetic um assets to other um other chains um if if, if that's kind of like we've seen that how you know is being bridged uh, to many places where um where susd could take on more of that role as well being bridged um and used in other uh platforms um and also, uh, you know, looking at how the whole synthetic asset generation, like the whole synthetic protocol, how that could be uh, potentially f- uh, forked um, onto other um, chains, and uh, you know, we could look at uh, what's the collateral type, uh, what's the collateral in those um, in those chains, um, if if that was to happen, and how how that would benefit synthetics. I think um, that's the multi-chain. Uh, Strategy, I see Synthetics taking.
0: Thank you, Jackson. Uh, Michael, question six to you.
3: Yeah. So the way I think about um, different chains or different layer twos is really just as different operating systems. And uh, in the same way that it is a decision for an application to build for different operating systems, I think of a uh, you know, decision about whether Synthetics should build for different layer twos or different uh, chains themselves is is really the same question. And if you want to go and attract more users. You want to get access to new activity, or if there's a number of assets that are on a different L2, different chain, um, that would be sort of the decision-making process. Um, but as it stands right now, I think, you know, we're balancing that with implementation and, and difficulty and, and, uh, time to be able to get there. So it's just a question of time and resourcing and what the, uh, size of prize would be for doing so.
0: Thank you, Michael, for your comments and analysis. Daniel, we'd love to hear what you have to say about this.
1: Thank you. I, I think it's a great question. Um, I, I think Synthetics should support uh, multiple chains, all the EVM compatible chains. Um, even the situation right now was kind of not what I expected, that there would be, that, that be effectively two debt pools and uh, the process of migrating is still kind of tedious, kind of complicated, kind of expensive. So, the, the long-term version should be like seamless bridging of synths. Uh, maybe that's a bit longer into the, the future, but near-term, near at least SUSD. And again, going back to the previous question, where I believe SUSD should be you know, the stablecoin, D decentralized stablecoin, um, which goes back to the origin of, of Haven, I guess, and, and synthetics. So, yeah, making that bridgeable. Um, even if without the exchange part on, across multiple uh, chains, L2s, uh, side chains, I think that should be the, the vision for synthetics.
0: All right, moving on to question seven. Have you ever formally voted no on a SIP or SCCP and why? Jackson, question seven will go to you first.
4: Uh, yes, so um, I have, uh, I remember a case where I voted no was. Um, with the uh, ETH wrapper um, increasing the like doubling the uh, cap, um, just because it seems like at the time that would have had a um, a kind of negative effect on on the on, on the the whole debt pool um, without further consideration of that uh, cap increase. So um, you know, I was probably the first one in the council to reject that and raise it as an issue. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, just understanding that. There's issues of, uh, at the time to increase the uh, ETH wrapper cap to a very large number um, that, that would affect the dead pool.
3: I believe it was exactly the same situation for me voting for uh, not increasing the ETH wrapper. Um, and uh, I, I vaguely remember there being another situation, um, I think having to do with maybe fees, um, but those are the two instances where I voted no.
0: Thank you, Jackson and Michael. What about you,
3: Daniel?
1: Yeah, funny enough, I also voted uh, at least in one uh, wrapper increase, uh, the the last one that was submitted by Caleb that had it like going to the supply of of half of the the sins, uh, total supply. Uh, I also vaguely remember uh, voting against uh, one, uh, uh, I think it was a rewards incentive for the shorts or or the, the loans that I felt should be halved, and not as much. Uh, In general, uh, without taking too much time, I wondered at times uh, if it makes sense having eight members where in every vote we all have the the same vote. Uh, I guess part of the reason is that all the the proposals are just being, you know, detailedly discussed before they are submitted, so there's not much contention when it finally reaches the vote. But yeah, I think it should be interesting, and and it's part of, I guess, the the reason we have eight members, that there should be some diversity in in how we vote on on some proposals.
0: Thank you, Daniel. And to round out question seven, Kane, please share your response as to whether or not you've ever voted no on a proposal.
2: I don't believe so. I don't believe that I've uh, voted against anything. I may have voted against an SCCP at some point. I seem to recall that. but no, I think uh, primarily um, we've we've managed to, I think this is a sort of a procedural question as well. And I think Daniel kind of brought it up that like, there is so much oversight in getting SIPs to a point that I think most people um, within the council have had uh, a chance to provide feedback on the SIP or an SCCP um, before it even gets to the point of a vote, um, which I think you know speaks well of the process. Uh, I think we don't have a lot of contentious votes because we have a, a very a fairly rigorous process. But you could argue that maybe um you know there's some kind of uh, impediment to having um, a lot more proposals, although you know we've seen in other go- governance frameworks that hasn't worked out very well. So um, my view would be that I think the fact that we generally like generally have you know pretty high consensus on on proposals is uh, a
0: positive thing. Thanks, Kane. It speaks to the development process of each SIP that consensus is generally achieved by the time the voting process begins. This next question is one for the group. Which synthetics products do you believe should be prioritized that will drive the most amount of transaction volume into the future?
4: Futures. Same for me, futures. Synthetic futures and uh, leverage trading in that case, yes.
1: I mean, the, the answer is clearly futures. Uh, I, I did say I, I would like to see a diversity of, of SINs uh, also on, on L2.
0: Well, on this topic, the panel seems to be in full agreement regarding synthetics futures. And that brings us down to the final two questions. Question nine. In the last Spartan Council election and voting process, staker participation was only about 5%. Do you think low governance participation is an issue? And if so, how should it be addressed, Jackson? We'll hear from you first on this one.
4: I, I feel like the the actual uh, token uh, voter participation um, is usually a uh, more more of the active, um, engaged community um, who have uh, been voting. So um, I'm not sure if if the target of uh, you know just increasing the number of token holders or, or making it kind of like compulsory voting would. Improve that, uh, uh, improve the voting. Um, but I guess if 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 we were to increase the participation, um, a lot of that can be done through uh, you know communication, uh, like what we're doing now, um, panels, and also you know, engaging uh, you know through different communication, like making it easier to to vote, and also having candidates um, communicate what's their agenda or their kind of views so that um, there's something for voters, uh, for token holders to vote against. I think those are some of the ways we can increase uh, voter participation.
0: Thank you, Jackson. Very interesting points. Michael, what's your take on this?
3: Yeah, it's kind of the same thing for me. I think, you know, there are different ways, mechanisms mechanisms that we can either incentivize or require people to participate. Um, I don't think we need to get to that yet because I think the most active people are the ones that are participating. Um, I think one of the ways that we can increase participation is just by making it clear what the vote is for um, and how, you know, the Spartan Council is controlling X, Y, or Z. Um, and, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, other things like tooltips banners are just making people reminders uh that there is a vote going on i think is important as well
0: very good thank you michael kane what are your thoughts on voter participation
3: i actually think that we have uh,
2: pretty exceptional um, engagement in governance given that we do have a delegated democracy and I, I think that it comes from the fact that we have such an engaged community um, when you look at the amount of noise uh, in the space right now, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a Discord panel with somewhere on the order of 200 uh, Discord instances um, staring at me with various notifications. Um, it's incredibly hard for uh, for people to be engaged in more than you know two or three to be deeply engaged in more than two or three projects, and I think that um, synthetics over is massively on. Uh, on most people who hold the token being highly engaged in that project over other projects so I think we're actually doing quite well. Um, I think one measure that would be uh, quite useful though is to look at you know what is the percentage of stakers that are voting um, and how much of the weight of debt uh, is actually being put towards uh, all the various um, you know uh, council um, elections Um, and I think that we should you know definitely work on some things to improve that. Um, but I, my personal view is that it's already you know, very, uh, very good. The, the status quo is quite, um, quite impressive.
0: Thank you, Kane. Seems to be a very positive outlook on voter engagement. Daniel, what do you have to say?
1: Um, thank you. In general, I, I think it is kind of a problem in the space that uh, people kind of you know, don't, don't really get behind that those are governance tokens, it's still kind of a, a, a meme, I think the, the participation will, will pick up uh, eventually, I think it's uh, heading in the right direction. Uh, talking about uh, synthetics, uh, elections, it's been trending upwards and I think that's the important thing. is probably twice more than we had in in the epoch before that. Um, I'd rather take 8% 8 of organic votes than, you know, what we tried to do with forcing people to vote so they can claim their rewards, which effectively led to Kane having 70% of the votes. And this is a joke, by the way. But yeah, I definitely don't think we should be forcing people to vote. Um, and part of the reason 48% which I'm pretty sure about, is that all the candidates were great. Like, the council looked good in in every lineup. So I completely understand that people can be laid back and wondering, like, why would I bother, right? I I like everyone, yeah, don't need to go to that other other part of the the DAP and click two, two buttons.
0: Thank you, Daniel. Those are really good points. The positive trend in voter engagement is definitely something to keep an eye on. For the final question, we're going to open up the floor to discussion about accountability. How are the individuals on the council being measured with regards to participation and performance? Is there an internal feedback process where non-performance or non-participation is addressed?
1: I think that's actually a, a brilliant question and it's something that we might be lacking. We discussed a few times having a feedback loop uh, what we try to do is give people like an attendance record who makes the meetings, which I don't think speaks that much. Like you can, you know, just click a button. You're in the meeting doesn't mean you're active, even listening. Let alone, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: And and then we had some community members raising uh, like the the voters tally, who who was active in voting, who wasn't. Uh, definitely, there should be more. Of, of a feedback loop, more transparency and even, I don't know, like what, what's feasible, but having something like a grading system of, of performance, at least, you know, engagement wise, I'd welcome that.
2: I mean, my view is I think that this process is part of that process, right? The idea of bringing in some kind of journalism process to, um, you know, really ensure that uh, the information that uh, token holders need is surfaced. Um, and I think that this is a component. Um, it's not just performance. It's you know views. Um, we want you know one of the things that I mentioned early on is um, I feel very strongly that it's my job to sort of represent the interests of the token holders who have voted for me, um, and you know they have some view as to the kind of approach that I'll take to governance, um, and I, I try to adhere to that. Um, but I think it's also important that that feedback loop happens so that they can see what my actual you know, what my actions have been over this epoch and if they don't like what those actions have been um, or they're concerned by them, they should, you know, not vote for me the next time. And if we don't have that feedback loop for them to know and understand what the decisions were that I made and why, uh, then I think it's hard. And I think that, um, you know, wrapping that up towards the end of an epoch and presenting it in, you know, a very sort of consumable package for voters Right before uh, the vote happens is probably the best thing that we can reasonably hope to do. Um, and so I think that this governance you know journalism process that we've tried to kick off um, with you know S-nex weave is a really critical component of governance to make sure that we're surfacing that information.
3: fully agree there. I think this is also one of the data points that would lead to shorter uh, tenure on uh, uh, council epochs. It's just if if we're not seeing the feedback mechanism of getting people off who are not participating then um, you know, having them have less of a tenure is, is probably more important.
2: Put it this way, I'll be watching very closely to see what the outcome of this election is. And if it is what I think it is, then I'll have more concerns about the process than I do now. If uh, if it turns out differently than, than I'm expecting, uh, as in, you know, if the status quo of just voting in incumbents uh, is kind of overturned and we see some new people coming in, um that might be more likely to be active then i'll be i'll be a bit more optimistic but at the moment i'm a little bit pessimistic about what the likely result will be we'll see what happens but it remains to be seen i think there's a bit of that pessimism (laughs) like i want to be optimistic but i'm i'm also realistic and slightly pessimistic that i think we will maybe this will help this process will help and maybe some other things can help um If they don't, then I think we just need to keep iterating and testing and finding ways. I think we all know that there needs to be some changes in the council. Um, And I think if we don't see those changes happen, then it means that there's been a failure of the process. Um, And so I think that that will mean, you know, when you really need to kind of take a, a hard look at how we're surfacing this information.
3: Totally
0: agree. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your responses with regard to maintaining the accountability and performance of Spartan Council members. This brings us to the end of the panel interview. Thank you all for being here today. Thanks for listening. The voting period is now open, so be sure to get your votes in before September 30th. Once again, the full list of Spartan Council candidates include Afif, B. Barker, Big Penny, Boyan, Daniel, Justin, Kane, Caleb, Michael, Cynthaman, and Terabellus. Don't forget to also cast your ballots for the Grants DAO, the Ambassador DAO, and the newly formed Treasury Council. Until next time, this is SNX Weave.